Hello, and welcome to the Philosophical Angle Podcast with your host, author Chris Angle. Hi, this is the Philosophical Angle Program, and I'm your host, Chris Angle. I'm the author of four books on philosophy, one of which is Defining Ethics, Good and Evil. If you'd like to contact us to make comment, inquiry, make suggestions, feel free to give us an email at contact at philosophicalangle.com. The purpose of the philosophical angle is to examine the nature of concepts being used in current media, and secondarily, to use those definitions to understand the righteousness and the ethical superiority of conservative positions. This week we're going to discuss why the left is so destructive. And the topic came up because the other day I heard on the Rush Limbaugh, the Rush Limbaugh show, Rush made the statement that the left destroys everything with which it comes into contact. The left has destroyed the public school system, it has destroyed government, it has destroyed the institution of marriage, it has destroyed the inner cities across America, it has destroyed race relations, and so on and so forth. Well, the philosophical angle thought this was a pretty interesting question. And it's interesting on a couple of different levels. First, it's interesting at face value of whether the statement is true or not. Does the left destroy everything with which it comes into contact? Secondarily, I think that in order to answer this question, we need to ask ourselves, what is the structure or the constituent parts of society that would be applicable that we could understand that would help us explain why they are destructive. Or perhaps rather we should we should know whether society is running optimally with regard to its social fabric and its economic engine. In other words, how do we know a society is the best it can be? How do we know whether it's getting better or worse? What is the criteria by which we can judge the direction of a society? Is it getting better or is it getting worse? How do we know that the left does destroy everything of society, as, as Rush indicated? It's, it's a pretty interesting question. For example, the left comes, to, comes into the public school systems and we think the schools are getting worse. But they maintain, they, the left, that they are trying to make it better for everybody. They're trying to make schools better for everybody, equally. Now, the Republicans maintain that they're trying to make the schools best for individuals, so any individual can excel and be the best that they can be. This appears to have no easy answer. But luckily, we have the philosophical angle here to solve these problems, to solve these conundrums, to explain it all. Okay, let me put on my Superman cape. 
before I go ahead and answer this. Well, I'll leave it off in the corner. Let's start by outlining how individuals or individual life entities proceed with their daily lives and once we know how the individual life entity operates, we can sum up the results of how it operates to get a good indication about how society is going. An individual life entity comes into life in the following manner. First, as it comes into existence, it is governed by the, by the first rule of life. This is the dictum that all life seeks that which is good for it. And there is no limit on the amount of goodness it will seek. An individual life entity continually seeks that which is good for it. And every life entity starts to make decisions based on this dictum right from the start, right from the beginning of its life. So now we need to know how life makes decisions starting at this point. It does so by taking the information coming to its consciousness and applying priorities to it. Priorities are a piece of knowledge and they are used to order our lives. When information is prioritized, it becomes a piece of knowledge in our lives indicating how important it is to us. That is, it orders the importance of the information coming to our consciousness. So, a life entity calculates its time, calculates its effort, calculates the risk of the situation that, that, it, that it's looking at, and it takes its knowledge, which are its priorities, and attaches them to this incoming information, such as the amounts of the needed time, effort, and risk, and the risk to make an estimate of the sacrifice that it needs, that it will take in order to achieve whatever reward it's looking for. And this is in every decision. You get up in the morning and decide you're hungry. Well, you decide that that's a priority. So you go have breakfast. And uh, in order to do so, you, you, you consider your, your effort, your time needed to, to do this, the risk involved, and uh, the knowledge to be able to make breakfast. And you put that all together and you make your decision. Okay, so next. The life entity applies incentive, which is done by comparing the sacrifice to the potential reward. So, if the sacrifice versus the reward ratio is a good one, that is when the sacrifice is small relative to the reward, which is large, it means it has a high potential to bring goodness to one's life. One would naturally decide to effectuate the sacrifice and, and go for the reward if, 
if the that ratio is right, if the sacrifice is small compared to uh, the reward. So when we have breakfast in the morning, we decide that that sacrifice is well worth it to get the reward of quelling our hunger, our hunger. And by the way, this process of making up one's mind is the calculation of the sacrifice versus the reward and then actually effectuating it. And this is the essence of freedom. When life is allowed to create these calculations and then effectuate them into actual actions to achieve a reward, that is the essence of freedom. At this point, when the conscious and the consciousness of the life entity is calculating the, the time, the effort, and risk using its knowledge for some objective, at times it makes sense to consider, in many instances, the employment of others to achieve a mutual reward. And we do this every day. And this is called cooperation. So cooperation is adding together the sacrifices of two or more entities to achieve a reward plus the knowledge that the adding together of the sacrifices produces a greater reward than if the individual entities would seek the reward by themselves. Therefore, thus, life entities employ cooperation because it realizes that it can gain greater goodness for itself together with others cumulatively than by themselves individually. So the next step in the decisional process is when life entities live in a society. This step then comes to the problem of competition. And competition occurs when life entities have the same priorities. When life converges on the same priorities, life realizes this is inimical to itself. After all, when the same priorities are converging on the same resources, you have less of it. And so, Life entities realize that direct competition is detrimental to one's health. So there are two parts to competition. The first part is convergence. It's the convergence of the priorities of the individuals, which is the convergence onto the same resources or rewards. For example, car the car industry. Many car companies all compete for the marketplace of those who need to buy a car. The second half of competition is the divergence of priorities. When life finds itself amongst others with the same priorities, it tries to diversify away from the direct competition and the converging priorities. Companies in the marketplace react to the convergence 
by creating a diversification and differentiation of their products. And therefore, capitalism produces all sorts of products within the marketplace. So, as we mentioned, the life entity employs cooperation because they realize that this type of behavior produces more together than separately. And this fulfills nicely that first dictum of life, and we're going to call it actually the first dictum of economics, that individual seeks goodness for themselves. All the processes and steps that we've discussed and mentioned today are nothing else but the system by which we fulfill that first dictum of life. That life will seek goodness for itself and this is never ending. Life continually seeks goodness for itself. And this is the criteria by which we should judge the performance of society whether it is the left or the right. That is, whether life is allowed to fulfill its seeking of goodness. But one of the ways the left seeks goodness in, in society is through the coercive powers of government. They believe that government brings into our process greater goodness. But is it so? So now we have to bring in the aspect of government into our process, into our inquiry. And why would we do that? We have to take in the aspect of government because men are not perfect. As James Madison pointed out in the Federalist Papers, they're not perfect because, uh, as he said, they're not angels. And because they're not perfect, government is required. And as Madison pointed out. And it's obvious. Government has to put forth rules and regulations and the enforcement of those laws to help things go in an orderly manner. Uh, if there's no government, as men are not angels, you will get at times... Uh, a Hatfield versus McCoy situation. You're going to get strife. Uh, your, things will will not go perfectly smoothly. And no argument by anybody, I dare say, on this issue. I think we can conclude that our process of society plus government does work somewhat. American societal life is fairly smooth, uh, but of course... There are a lot of bumps. So how do we know when there is too much government or too little? How do we know when there are too many laws and too many regulations? The, ample, the, the answer is simple. We could know by how much goodness we are producing for society. We will know by how well we are fulfilling that first dictum of life. That first dictum of life that entities always seek as much goodness as they can acquire. Life entities know that 
the more goodness, the better. So they seek it. Thus, the society that produces the most goodness is the one that is best. Wouldn't you agree? And the society with a government that facilitates the production of the good is the best one. But still the question lingers. Does the left ruin everything with which it comes into contact? In other words, does the left produce more or less goodness for society than does the right? Well, I suspect that the answer is initially yes. But ultimately no. This is because the left believes that everybody is inherently bad. That is, everybody other than themselves are inherently bad. But I think this assumption by the left is incorrect because there are some that are bad, and, but there are some that have a good nature also. So when we let those that are good produce more goodness, we'll be generating an efficient use of society. As long as we don't burden society with too many laws and regulations, which are a form of anti-knowledge, by the way. Uh, as long as we don't burden them, uh, the society with uh, too many dictums and strictures and, and, and uh, don't do this and don't do that, that will allow us to produce goodness for society, which is for the most part the goods and services that we generate. And if we allow individuals to fulfill our number one dictum, we will fulfill our goal of an efficient society as that society will produce as much goodness as possible. But ultimately, the left fails. It fails because it overproduces on its regulations, because it feels everybody is bad, except, of course, those that are liberal. And thus, they require government to control more and more of society because society is filled with those that are bad. And it's not impossible to understand how more goodness is being produced. It can be measured. It is measured and, and, and quantified. Economists have many gauges by which they can judge the goodness that are represented by the production of goods and services, such as the various statistics that are put out, such as the gross domestic product, income, factory production, and so on and so forth. And so societies of the left are not as efficient and do not produce as much good as the right because the left likes to generate a greater amount of unneeded laws and regulations. And by the way, as I mentioned before, these laws and regulations are a type of anti-knowledge. So the more the left has to has, comes into control of society, the less knowledge it'll have compared to societies that are have more freedom and more liberty. But more of this in future episodes of the Philosophical Angle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next episode. 
you for joining us on the Philosophical Angle podcast. Be sure to subscribe and join us for the next installment.